Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. Glad to be with you again today, and we're so thankful to be able to broadcast God's Word, teach His Word in truth, and we pray to His glory and to help souls and congregations all around the world. Now, at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ, we are in the building for Wednesday night Bible classes at 6.30 each Wednesday evening, and Sunday morning Bible classes every Sunday morning at 9.30, as well as worship at 10.30 on Sundays. If you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to be with us for any and all of these times when the church gathers together to study God's Word and to worship and praise and glorify Him. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. Again, you're welcome. We encourage you to come and be with us. But we know that there are people in other parts of the country and literally around the world who cannot be with us because they're outside of the area. So we're thankful to be able to spread God's word through the medium of the internet through these podcasts. And we plan to continue to do that for at least the foreseeable future. Now, we encourage you to go to our website at churchofchrist.com. Now, maybe you've already done this, but encourage others you know to do this. When you go to our website, churchofchrist.com, click on the listen uh, icon at the top of the page, the home page, and then sign up for our, our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. When you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, and a really good and pertinent daily short Bible study that we call today's Bible class. Only about 13 minutes each day, but it gets us into God's Word each day. And then you'll also receive our Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. Search the scriptures, and we do exactly that. We dig deep into God's word on those radio programs. Now, also at our website, people can download hundreds of sermons, and those are now being posted in video format as well as audio format. And they can also download and read and study through hundreds, literally hundreds, of biblically-based and spiritually-focused articles all of that is there, and it always will be free. Again, we're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. We want to also encourage you, share these studies, Wednesday night Bible class, Sunday morning Bible class, all these studies you can with the people you know around you. You know people in your life, probably within your own family, in fact, who need to become more spiritually minded and focused in their lives. They need to think about their relationship with God. They need to think about their souls. They need to grow in their faith. And since faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, you can help them do exactly that by sharing these studies with them. Now, these studies can be shared through Facebook friends, text messages, maybe other technological means. But share with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, again, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody ultimately get to heaven by getting them into God's word by sharing these studies with them. What a great blessing that will be for them. But it will also be a great blessing for you. So start sharing today. We're going to get back into our study from 1 Peter. 
We finished up chapter 3 last time. We spent a good deal of time in chapter 3, but we took our time and looked at it in depth and in detail. You know, people need to dig deeper into God's Word and not just kind of gloss over it surface level kind of reading. Now that's, that's important and that is beneficial. But to really get into the deeper and weightier matters, we have to dig deeper and spend some time in God's word. And again, that just helps us come to a better understanding of what the scriptures say and teach and instruct. And it also helps us to grow even stronger in our faith. Now in chapter four, and Peter just moves right along in this particular letter. Again, he's writing this to Christians primarily, but certainly the principles that he lays out are applicable to those who have not yet become Christians because all of this is the truth of God's word. Now, beginning with chapter 4, we read down through verse 6. Peter writes, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, Arm yourselves with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Well, Peter covers a really important area of our instruction or of our understanding of God's will for our lives in these six verses, and particularly verses 1 through 5. He talks about how Christ suffered for us in the flesh. Verse 1, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, how did Christ suffer for us in the flesh? We could go all the way back to Isaiah chapter 53 and read God's prophecy. I know Isaiah writing it down, but he was simply writing God's word in prophecy. Isaiah writing down what God was instructing him as to what the coming Savior would accomplish for mankind. In Isaiah chapter 53, and we look beginning with verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs. Now this is speaking, this is prophetic of the coming Savior. Jesus would not come for hundreds of years after Isaiah wrote down this prophecy from God. But this, <clears throat> but this is nonetheless foreseeing and foretelling what Jesus would accomplish when he would come as our Savior. This is God's prophecy. Isaiah is simply the penman. So verse 4 again. Surely he, that is the coming Savior, Jesus the Christ, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken. Now think about that. He has borne our griefs, carried our sorrow, sorrows. 
we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now, does that mean that God beat Jesus up? To smite someone is normally what we think of it is to strike with a blow. But that's not the only understanding of the word smite or smitten in its, in its form used here, past tense. It's put something on somebody. Now, God put something on Jesus as he went to that cross as the Savior. We'll read a little bit later in, in, in 1 Corinthians uh, or in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, God laid upon Jesus all the sins of all mankind. He put all of that guilt on his body as he hung on that tree. So he was wounded for our transgressions, verse 5 of Isaiah 53. Wounded for our transgressions? Yes. He was nailed to that cross. He had that crown of thorns pushed down upon his head. We normally think of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross as being from the nails driven through his hands and feet and the spear being plunged into his side. But do you think that crown of thorns being pushed down upon his head did not tear the skin and also cause blood to trickle down his face? I think we can understand that it almost certainly did. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, that uh, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. What does that mean? The chastisement for our peace. He paid the price physically. And we can understand the spiritual application that God saw that as a not just a physical sacrifice, but it had spiritual implications. He was wounded for our sins. He died on that cross physically so that we could be forgiven spiritually. He was bruised for our iniquities. Bruised? Before they ever took him to Golgotha, before they ever nailed those hands, uh, those nails through his feet and hands, he was scourged by the Roman soldiers. Now you talk about brutal, physical, violent kind of abuse. That's scourging. It would be it was, it was done with what was called a cat of nine tails, a somewhat short handle that to which attached were nine leather thongs, and through each leather thong, they would have fastened all kinds of sharp objects, sharp stones, pieces of metal, glass, whatever they could find that would serve to tear the flesh of the person being beaten with, those, with that scourge. Jesus went through that brutal, brutal kind of beating. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. Again, the stripes of that scourge whip ripping across his body. Now understand, too, that it was not just a matter of his standing there and taking a few blows. No, they would bend him over. They would bend him over so that his back and the skin, the flesh in his back would be tightened up and the bones of his back, including the back part of his ribs, would be exposed through the skin. And then 
the scourge whip, all those, those nine leather thongs with all the sharp objects attached to them would rip across his back, tearing the flesh and even into the muscles. Oh yes, he was, he was, it was by his stripes that we are healed. He was bruised for our iniquities. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sins of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Now, led as a sheep to the slaughter, that reflects back on the animal sacrifices that were offered in regard to the sins of the people of God, the Israelites, during Old Testament times, according to the law of Moses. Well, he served as that ultimate, spotless, perfect sacrifice. If you look in the Revelation, you look at the first few chapters, he is portrayed there as a lamb, as a lamb coming before the throne of God. But as a lamb, we can understand with his throat cut. Now, again, it's simple, vivid imagery, uh, vivid imagery, so that we can understand just what he went through. He died on that cross as that perfect sacrifice. Countless sheep were offered in sacrifice to God through the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of the Old Testament history. Jesus Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27, was the perfect, ultimate sacrifice, one time for all time, for, to pay the price for the guilt of the sins of all mankind for all time. Past, those still alive during his time on the cross, and also all of us who would come along thereafter until he comes again. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, God has laid on Jesus, Christ, the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah, the sins of all of us. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, but just as that lamb laying there on that altar uh, does not open his mouth, he's dead. Jesus, still alive, hanging on that cross, but he opened not his mouth. He did not, he did not curse the people who were putting him on that cross. He did not curse the people for whom he was hanging on that cross. As a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. Cut off from the lands of the living? Jesus literally died on that cross physically. He died on that cross. As I said, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, the Apostle Paul kind of puts in a nutshell what we read back in Isaiah chapter 53 verses 4 through 8. In one verse, Paul says, for he made, that is, God made him Jesus. God made his son Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In other words, again, God laid all 
of the sins, all of the guilt for all of the sins of all mankind for all time on his son, the perfect sacrifice sent from heaven to this earth to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. How sad that so many people do not take advantage of that. They don't respect it. They might say, oh, I respect it. Well, they're still living in sin. They don't respect it to the point of letting it make a difference in their lives. The Hebrews writer wrote in Hebrews chapter 2, beginning with verse 17, therefore in all things he had to be made, that is Jesus, had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus suffered? Absolutely. He not only suffered when he was hanging on that cross, he suffered while he was still alive on this earth. He went through all the same kinds of temptations, basically, that we go through in our physical lives on this earth. In the fourth chapter of Hebrews, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us stay true to him, in other words. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He went through the temptations that we go through. The difference is he did not give in to the temptations. We do. In the fifth chapter of Hebrews, beginning with verse 8, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Again, pointing to the suffering of our Lord and Savior while he lived upon this earth. And having been perfected, he became the author or source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. You see, we must come to him in the proper response, believing in him with all of our heart, no question about that. Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 24, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. But not just an intellectual understanding, we must come to him in faithful obedience obedience. Remember what verse 9 says, having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 15, in the night of his betrayal, if you love me, keep my commandments. You see, true love for Jesus, real love, effective love is going to be demonstrated by our obedience to him on a consistent and continual basis, our obedience to him. Now let's also look at that great uh, text in Philippians chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul went into some detail, laying out for us the mind of Christ and instructing us that we need to develop this same mindset in our lives today as Christians, as followers of Jesus. Beginning with verse 5 in Philippians chapter 2, Paul wrote, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery 
or a thing to be held on to, to be equal with God. See, Jesus is God the Son. He was there in eternity. He's been there in eternity with God. He was there at the creation and taking part in the creation. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Now, so let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He did not consider his position there a thing to be held onto when God communicated to him his will that he come to this earth and become the Savior, be the Savior. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, in other words, in human form. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus did that for us. Now, that death on the cross in itself, without the scourging, the brutal beating of that scourging that came immediately before it, that death on the cross was torturous in itself. We're not talking about an execution as we would come to understand executions in our legal system in some states in our land, or even going back to the point in the 19th century where there were hangings as a legal form of execution. All of the forms of execution that, that have been implemented in the last couple of hundred years in our land, while they took a life, they were designed to try to do so fairly quickly without causing the individual to just struggle and suffer for hours on end. Not so with crucifixion under the Roman government. You're talking about an execution, a form of execution that was designed purposely to last hours and hours, or maybe in some cases days on end, to torture the person going through that execution process. Jesus was there from morning until evening, hanging on that cross, dying on that cross. It was not a simple, quick exercise of putting him to death. It was dragged out, and purposely so. That was the way the Romans pursued execution by crucifixion. So we come back to 1 Peter chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Jesus suffering for us in the flesh while he was living on this earth, suffering all of the same kinds of temptations that we suffer through, the devil throwing at him temptation after temptation, and one form of temptation and suffering that Jesus went through was persecution. He was continually persecuted for his teaching that he is the Son of God and the Savior of mankind, that he came from heaven and took human form to go to that cross and die and fulfill those prophecies in Isaiah chapter 53 about the coming Savior.
he suffered great persecution. Even his own brothers, while he was still alive in this earth, denied him, disbelieved in him. Now, we know that later on they came to believe. But how would you feel if your siblings rejected you? Rejected you? Now, Jesus was the firstborn among all of his siblings, physical, physical siblings, and yet they rejected him while he was still here on this earth. Well, how would you feel if your siblings turned against you, criticized you, challenged you? Well, he suffered persecution. He suffered temptation. He suffered threats on his physical life. And ultimately, he suffered the ultimate threat, and that was the fulfillment of the threat through crucifixion. Beaten, whipped, scourged, and then crucified. Horrible, brutal, torturous execution. But Jesus went through that. What does the text tell us? In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1, he suffered for us. That's how serious sin is. God sent the perfect sacrificial lamb in the person of his son who took physical form so he could die on that cross as the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. He suffered for us. Now our response should be the ultimate application of verse 2 of 1 Peter chapter 4, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Now, make the application to us that we should no longer live in sin. We should no longer live under that guilt. We should no longer live sinful lifestyles. Jesus died for us. That was God's will, the Father's will. Jesus lovingly and willingly went to the cross for us. We should now live for the will of God, following his teachings, dedicated to him through Jesus Christ. We'll pick up with verse 3 next time. Let's pray. Father, your love for us is awesome. Your love for mankind through the ages has always been awesome. We cannot praise you or thank you or glorify you enough for all of the ways that you have demonstrated your love for us and ultimately sending your son to die on that cross so that we could have the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins through his sacrifice, his death for us. Guide us, help us, Father, to live for you through him. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.